Today on the Show Mainstream Podcast, Dr. Susan Pendergrass is joined by Walter Blanks Jr. Walter is a communications associate at American Federation for Children. Before joining AFC full-time, Walter was chosen for the first cohort of the American Federation for Children Future Leaders Fellowship, a year-long professional development program for graduates of private school choice programs. For more Show Me Institute podcasts, visit SoundCloud at soundcloud slash showmeinstitute and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Here's Dr. Susan Pendergrass. Walter Blanks Jr., so happy to talk to you today. Um, I talk a lot about school choice, I have been forever, and the need for school choice and the demand for school choice. Um, did a podcast with Virginia Walden Ford, which was delightful, and just talking about a lot of people in Missouri, especially rural Missouri, are of the mindset that parents don't really want or need school choice. And then I want to hear your story. Basically, I'd like you to tell me your story because I know that that's not true, and I know that you're an example of how that's not true. So. What happened on your education journey? I'd like to hear about it. Yeah, so it, it all started, well, first off, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, it all started in my middle school years. Um, well, before that, actually, elementary school. Uh, my mom um, homeschooled my brother, my older brother and I at the time um, for a few years. And I was just such a social butterfly that homeschooling just was not good for me. Um, I enjoyed being around people and I drew a lot of energy from other people, you know, extremely extroverted. And so, um, but my brother, my brother did just fine. He excelled in homeschool. He had structure. He loved it because he was done with all of his work by noon, mm-hmm. go out and play video games, play with the neighbors. And I was the one that would always procrastinate. It'd be eight o'clock in the evening and I still had all my homework to do, um, and so my parents decided to put me into uh, the public school, the public school that we were, that I was zoned to in, in um, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, actually, it was a little south uh, in a small town called Groveport. And um, that's where school really um, began to be something that I just, I hated. And it was, it was for, for many reasons, mostly, mostly because... I didn't, I was not in an environment that was conducive to my learning needs, mm-hmm. a very hands-on learner. Uh, I had been diagnosed with ADHD. And so um, I was constantly seen as a distraction in the classroom. And it was Walter's doing this or Walter's doing that. And my mom always would always say growing up that they spent more time in the principal's office than, than I did. <laughs> um, so that was, that was one thing. Um, but then the other two, uh, I was bullied a lot a oh, lot no. um, at this school. And, and there was one time in particular that I, that I always share, um, huge superhero nerd geek. And ah. uh, my, my parents got me a, a spider, a cool button up Spider-Man shirt. And I'd wear it all the time. I'd wear it to bed. I'd wear it outside to play with my friends. I'd wear it to mm. church. You know, it was, it was like the perfect shirt for every single occasion. It was awesome. And, um, and these kids came up to me the first day I wore it to school and, um, started to kind of push me around, just being nasty, saying mean things. And they ended up ripping the shirt off of me. Buttons, buttons flew off and there was like holes in it, you know, just, just, just craziness. And uh, I went home crying that day to my mom and I just begged her. I said, please just don't, don't send me back. Like, I'll do whatever it takes, right? Like I'll, I'll do the dishes every day for the rest of my life. <laughs> you won't have to give me an allowance. You won't ever have to yell at me again. Um, just don't send me back to that school. That was the first time where I really saw um, desperation in my parents to get me into a better, a better environment. A better what, place. Was paying tuition a problem? Yeah. Yes. Oh, gotcha. I, I came from a lower middle class family. 
And so, um, you know, that was, that's the last thing on, on our minds, right? We're, sure. we're trying to keep, you know, light, lights on, food on the table, clothes on our backs. Of course. Um, you know, paying, paying tuition was, you know, out of the question. And so, um, but I never knew that, you know, growing up, there was just, you know, they always, they always provided, they always did the best that they could. And so um, I always say that a desperate parent is a dangerous parent. And that's like I, the perfect I'm way to describe, to describe my, my parents. And so um, they did a lot of, a lot of research, a lot of digging and a friend from, from our church said, Hey, you should, you should look into the, to the Ed Choice, the Ed Choice scholarship. We're not sure if Walter would qualify for it or not, but it might be a good place, you know, to look. And um, so because so the way that the scholarship is set up in Ohio, this particular one is, it's based off of public school performance that you, you know, would be zoned to. And, and so, if it's a low performing public school, then you can get a, yep, essentially a voucher. You, that's how you qualify. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. Exactly. Exactly what it is. And so, um, so that's how I was able to, to, um, to exercise choice. My parents signed me up for it. We visited uh, probably five or six different different private schools. Yeah, and um, we we found the one that was the best fit for me. It was called Tree Life Christian, a very small school. Like I think my graduating class was like fifty some students. Um, and your high school remember, graduating class? Mm-hmm, yep. Oh wow! Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first the first um, um, meeting that we had there. I found out that I'd have to wear a uniform and I was like, I am not doing that. <laughs> like, how am I going to show off, you know, my cool Spider-Man stuff, mom, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. And so she said, well, let's just take it one day at a time and each day we'll check in and, and we'll, we'll see how you're doing. And if Aww. you don't like it, we'll go somewhere else. Uh, but in reality, I didn't have a choice. I was going to that school, whether I hated it. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> Parents. I remember my first day at school, my science class, we were learning about, um, astronauts and, and the Apollo mission and you know all these different things and I came into the school two grades behind in reading and reading wow. probably behind in pretty much everything mm-hmm. um, and and so I remember learning things for the first time you know, things that I had never learned before um, in a in an environment where I didn't have to worry about being bullied Sure. And although I was multiple grades behind, the teachers were willing to to sit down with me and, and come up with a plan to to get me back on track. And so I missed I missed a lot of recess my sixth grade year of of. But uh, let's let's catch up. Going. You're a college graduate now, right? Yeah, yeah, college. That's graduate. awesome. Congratulations. Uh, um, thank you. Um, not a statistic, you know. A lot of people in the neighborhood that I grew up in, um, you know, barely made it out of high school, let alone going sure. to college. And like you said, fast forward, college graduate, uh, moved out to Washington D.C. Like I don't Working have any family Hill. out here. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't have any family out here. No friends. Um, <clears throat> you know, sitting next to the president of the United States. You know, wow. talking about you know the importance of of school choice and the power that it has, um, that it can give families and students. Um, been able to so, travel the country. Yeah, that's amazing. I've I've seen you speak before, and you're you're quite good at it, which is great. Um, so Ohio's had a school choice program for quite a while. They had yes. this program that you participated in. I think they also have a voucher program for students with autism. Mm-hmm. And Ohio's, I know, has been tested in the courts and found to be um, constitutional because the mm-hmm. money is given to parents, and then parents pick the school. So it's not like right. it's money going to the school. The parents get to pick. 
And, you know, what's interesting to me is this year and this fall, seeing how many unhappy parents there are right now, because there's unhappy parents who are finding out that their school is going to be full-time virtual and it's not going to work for their kids. And there's unhappy parents who are finding out that their school is going to be two days a week and that's not going to work for them either. Um, Mm -hmm. In St. Louis public schools, they decided to start virtually. And St. Louis, as you probably know, is a very troubled school system in fairly troubled city. And this past spring during the pandemic, we had three Catholic schools in North St. Louis, which is like the um, most disadvantaged part of the city and it served all disadvantaged um, students of color had to close because they couldn't make the finances work during the pandemic. Now you have all those kids who have to find a place to go. And it just seems like the right time for Missouri, for St. Louis to be able to give parents the option that you had to go to a private school, even if they can't afford the tuition. And to not do so just seems like it's like a civil right to me, right? To help kids yeah. who, who are in schools where they're failing to not get mm-hmm. them out of there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the thing about it is, and it's not just, it's not just private school, right? Because some private schools don't work for, for other students. Of right? course. So I think the conversation... Uh, the the opposing side, you know, really wants the division, right? They want, they say that we want to privatize education. We want to, you know, strip the the public education um, schools and from their funding, you know, all you know, all these things. But in in reality, you know, for me, right, as someone who's benefited and in, in this movement, I don't really care where a parent sends their child to school, as yeah. long as the parent is happy and that child is is learning and growing sure i mean that's why like in the last day or so somebody has asked me like because i study education policy all the time do you think schools should reopen then i was like i I want parents to have every option out there it's not up to me to say you have to send your kid into a school building or you shouldn't send your kid into a school building it's whatever you're most comfortable with and what exactly what you said what's working for that student because um I know, you know, working parents, it's going to be really hard for them to figure out the virtual education. It was nice that your mom was able to do that for you and your brother for a little bit. Mm -hmm. For a lot of parents, you got a couple jobs and you're a single mom. Right. Yep. Virtual is not working. It might be hard to find a micropod school, but I do think that that's a pretty cool innovation that's showing up right Mm -hmm. now. Um, But I think you maybe you could try doing that through churches or through community centers. I think that that could be an option, but I'm all for just giving parents options. It seemed like the, um, you know, you had two that didn't work for you, homeschooling and public school. So it took you three tries before you found one that did. And that's what Mm -hmm. people need to do. And I even think like within your own family, something that worked for you wasn't necessary for your brother, right? So it's almost on like on a kid by kid basis. Right. So, so that's what I think. And um, the DC's got a program. I don't know if you're familiar with the um, DC Opportunity Scholarship Mm -hmm. Program. And I feel like when that gets studied, by, you know, when they enacted the program, there was like a mandatory evaluation process from Georgetown University, and they are looking for academic impact, but there's so many other kinds of impacts that are not test Mm -hmm. scores, right? Right. Like you successfully graduating, going to college and being motivated to go to school in the morning. Right. Versus dreading it. Yeah, right. And, and, and some of the things that that we've looked at, um, we've, we've seen polls where, you know, they ask families, right? Like, what's the most important thing for your for your child when it comes to school? And like, test scores is like maybe three, number four on the list. And usually, the top thing is is just safety. Safety, right? Because because oh, how can how can a child learn in an, in an unsafe environment, right? And so 
we have to look at yes yes test scores are important that's how we measure you know growth within the lives yeah. of, of the of the of the young scholars but it's not the only thing that that matters or even contributes to the success of a child when they're in school right. and so um we have to be able to take a lot of these different things into account you know in in my opinion i think you know, let's, we should just stop trying to fix the system and reform the system. I say, right, let's just blow it up and, and build a new system with the students leading the charge. Yeah. I know that's like, you know, a revolutionary idea and, you know, a lot of people would not like that. But I mean, if we're, if we're truly talking about, you know, how we are going to improve the, the quality of education, the quality of life in these students, right? We got to get rid of these these um, these zoning things, right? You know yeah. how kids are assigned to schools because that that that's not helping at all, especially you know in low income communities yeah. and in communities of color. It's just it's just you know there's there's a lack of resources there. So um, the uh, the we, Ferguson Florissant School District, the last year we had test scores available, which is not last year, but the one before, three um, percent of their eighth graders scored proficient or above in math, and they don't even have charter schools. Yeah. They have nothing. Wow. They have no private school choice. Mm -hmm. They have no public school choice. And most of those people don't have the capacity to simply move to a better district, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're stuck. And you're stuck sending your eighth grader off to a school that you know almost no one knows how to do math. Yeah. And as a parent of three kids, that would just make me sad. And every day I would just be sad and disheartened. But as parents don't have a choice, they know that their schools aren't good. Yeah. They know, you know, they, I'm sure they would like to have the ability to choose something else. And I, again, to me, it's a, it's a civil right. I like your idea of blowing up the school system and get rid of <laughs> the district lines, because I would say I'm for like the most local control, which is right. in the household. Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I'm and, not there. Lots of people say that, but that's my form of Yeah, no, that's, yeah, parents. that's, that's absolutely right. And so I think one, one key way, especially during this time now that we can take the step in that direction um, one thing that, that AMC has been pushing, a lot of, a lot of other um, school choice education reform organizations are pushing for is to fund, you know, fund families and students instead of, the, instead of systems, right? Allowing the, the money to truly follow the child, you know, right. wherever they go um, is one way to, to, really, to really help, you know, balance these things a little bit, right? You talk about like, universal school choice right i think that is the key to to all of this because if you have parents who are making you know the decisions you know where they want to send their child the child is just going to do better automatically because that's where the parent chose for them to be right it's yeah. like you know a little bit of investment I, yeah right and if i if i make you do something you're less likely to do it right but if i if i give you the option of you know two things that you want to do right it was your decision it was your choice so of course you're going to you know own it and make it your own right. so it's certainly a lot of work a lot of work to be done well i do think um you know i'd see how what's the right way to say this the pandemic is going to speed it up. I don't want to say it's going to help, but it's going to speed it up because all of a sudden you're going to have 40 or 50% of parents who don't like the option they've been given this fall, right? It used right, to be like right. they could think about, yeah, the test scores aren't very good and I don't love the third grade teacher. You know, there could be like little things, but all of a sudden you have a whole bunch of parents who are like, yep. absolutely, they're, they're protesting. They're yeah. literally organizing protests. And I've seen one that said something like, um, reopen schools or give me a voucher basically mm -hmm. just a very mm -hmm. basic argument right for some parents you know who who 
who do rely on the school for education, but also this childcare thing. I don't even see why we're arguing about it. Of course they do. Of course that this is the institution we've developed for so many people is that their child right. is being taken care of during the day so they can work, you know? And so, and then there's parents who are afraid to send their kids to school and that's fine. I, I completely yeah. understand yeah. that. So either, either for some parents, if you don't open a school for them, give them a voucher so they can go find a school that is open, probably a private school. Yeah, and, and one thing that we're seeing, and it's, it's so frustrating, um, you know, some of the, the political work that the, the teachers unions are doing across, oh, yeah. you know, across the country, um, you know, you look at um, the unions in Los Angeles, right, basically having, having demand, right, holding students hostage because um, the public schools are going virtual, but then the private schools are like, you know what, we're going to open, you know, five days a week, and now parents are like, oh, well, private school's open, right? Like, I got to go back to work. So this isn't going to work. So now they're, you know, kids are leaving the public school system, going to going to private schools, and the teachers unions don't don't like that. So they're, you know, they want they're saying we're not going to teach unless you know there's a charter ban, you know, like, like yeah. things like that. And it's, and it's just like, it is clear, it is clear as a day that the child is not the main priority when it comes to public education. Right now, state funding in Missouri anyway is all held harmless. So a lot of it's going to districts that aren't really teaching. And we mm -hmm. collected information on what all the districts did last spring and they were fully funded. And many of them just passed out uh, paper packets. And um, a lot of them don't even have websites. So they're not going to be able to really do very much in the way of virtual. And then you have parents who want to send their kids to private schools because it's in person and they don't get the money or they want to do a micro school and they don't get the money. So I think we have right. this huge mismatch happening right now where it's again, more important than ever that we give the money directly to the child. Mm -hmm. I right. think, yeah. I don't think it's going to necessarily happen, but to me, it's so obvious right now that you can't just say, okay, you know, rather than give you food stamps, we're going to just have you go to this grocery store and, mm -hmm. you know, you'll get oh, whatever yeah. is offered there. And, oh, right now, that store's closed. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah. you can't yep. do that, I yep. don't think. But. Yep. And, and in every other market, every other, you know, aspect of life, you know, that's, that's what we do, right? Like, food, like you said, food stamps, um, uh, Pell Grants, right? Like, I, sure. took, I took a Pell Grant and went to a small private liberal arts college right that sure. was public funds that you can take it anyway and i right and so and so when it comes like what is the 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 problem when it comes to k through 12 that is just so so bad about the the money following the family following the student well howard fuller would say that uh, <laughs> it's money and power and they're right. one and the same right whoever yep. has the money has the power and i think you're right that what we see from teacher union leadership is uh, a, a need to hang on to their power and the money. And kids mm -hmm. are really going to be like dollar signs this year yeah. because yeah. attendance is going to be super important. They're not going to want mm -hmm. to let anyone leave. Um, we have a state virtual program that's approved that you can attend, but you have to ask for permission. And we have, gosh, well over a thousand students who have been, who have asked for permission and haven't gotten it right now this year trying to get out. I don't know. It's just going to be a mess. It's going to be interesting yeah. to watch it unfold. But I'm very inspired by stories like yours because I, my opinion, I work in education research because I think if you want to fix a whole host of social ills, you start with education, right? Right. And yes. getting kids 
who are least likely to get it, like the most resources and education is so important to me and I do see it as a civil right. And so um, you're a success story. So I <laughs> appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Of course, I know yeah. it in my heart that school choice can save lives, can change lives, but it seems like you're a walking example of that. Would yeah, you say? I'm absolutely a hundred percent. Every everything that that I'm doing right now, the person I am, um, not even professionally, just as a man, you know, um, came from my my education experience. And I still, even now, I still get in touch with, you know, the staff members, the faculty. Um, it was really cool. The secretary, um, Secretary DeVos, was actually at my high school. Oh, nice. Um, maybe about you know three weeks ago. You know, you know, on a school choice tour. You know, all this stuff. And uh, I was a last minute addition to, you know, to that event. So I flew out, I flew, to, flew home to Ohio um, and, and was there. And, and for me, when I was at the event, you know, it was, it was very surreal because it was like, you know, these are the people that, that built me and, and helped shape me to who I am. And now I'm in this fight. And now, you know, I have a, a really good relationship with the secretary. Now it's like, you know, I'm bringing her back to my roots and saying, look, like this is, this is, this is my family, you know, essentially, this is the, the, the fruits of your labor. So the front line. Um, and then, right. Yeah. And then there were students who, who um, are, I think they're juniors, um, going to be juniors next year at my high school who were there, got to share their story. Very similar to mine, how, awesome. you know, school choice has the power to, you know, pull you out of an environment where unless you are just hardcore determined, just super, super lucky, you just really don't, don't get yeah. out of it. And so um, I was the exception for sure. That's awesome. So the American Federation for Children, you're one of a lot of, or a couple of cohorts of fellows, right? Now you, yeah, you guys yeah. have two groups. And so the, mm -hmm. and the AFC fellows are basically um, school choice participants mm -hmm. who, explain to me the fellowship program. Yeah, yeah. So it's the, um, the Future Leaders Fellowship. Like you said, we're on our second cohort. Uh, we've extended it because of, of you know, because of COVID. Um, and the fellowship essentially is students who've benefited from school choice programs, college, college students, maybe recently, you know, graduate, college graduates. Um, and we take them through what I like to call the school choice boot camp, right? Policy boot camp, um, where we teach them how to share their story, more importantly, you know, with, with lawmakers, with legislators, legislators but then also kind of the policy side of it, right? Like how school choice works, like, right? Like, like things that most people don't know, like, right? Like the difference between a charter school and, and, yep. and a private school and what's a voucher and what's a tax credit and what's the ESA, you know, understanding how all these different mechanisms work. Um, and then my favorite part, um, we schedule um, three main trips, three mandatory trips each year. Um, that they all have to go to. One of them is usually here in DC where we, they, you know, they meet the AFC staff and we do a lot of really, you know, stuff on Capitol Hill. Um, of course we have to be tourists when they come and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But then um, usually, um, you know, there's an event with like Excel and Ed, um, Excellence in Education that, that we'll go to. Um, and then we kind of, you know, make up something along the way. But, but it's really cool because we're building the next, you know, and shaping the next generation of ed reformers. And the thing that I love so much about the fellowship is it's so unique because the next generation will not only be people who support school choice, love school choice, but they have lived it, right? They have yeah. lived it firsthand and, and have seen the benefits. And I think, I think that changes the dynamic of the fight just a little of bit, course. right? Because 
because someone can someone can spit policy all day and jargon and you know all these things but for for me for for anyone else to get up there and say you know i lived in the projects in columbus i I know what it was like to have to go through a metal detector every day at school. Yeah. You know, those kind of things. Well, it's delightful to talk to you, Walter. I really appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely. And I love the work you're doing. And yeah. um, one day your office will open back up and so will mine. And maybe we can do in-person podcasts again. But yeah, until I'm, then, looking, I'm looking forward to it. That'd be great. Thanks so much, Walter. I appreciate it. Yep. My pleasure. Yep. Bye. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Show Me Institute podcast. Find more at showmeinstitute.org. 